welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Vacaville, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We are so glad and honored that you would join us today, and we pray that this message you're listening to is a blessing to your day. We want to invite you to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service times. We hope to see you at a service or a special event sometime soon. Amen. Romans chapter number five, if you have that. Amen. We're going to go to the word of the Lord together. We're going to read several verses of scripture. Amen. We're going to begin at verse number one. We're going to read all the way through verse number 11. And I know it's 11 verses, but some of y'all don't ever read your Bibles. It's all the words you get. So I'm going to give you plenty of word. All right. So maybe if you read your Bible every day, I'd... Amen. I'm just kidding. Amen. I know everybody in this church reads five hours a day. I get it. I know. No, I'm just kidding. I, I, I tell the young, uh, I tell the preachers in our uh, homiletics class, don't be afraid to read too much of the. Now, if you're going to read five chapters, let them sit down. But don't be intimidated to read the Bible to preach. We need more expository preaching. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Chapter, uh, chapter 5, verse number 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with our God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory, we glory in the new house, in the bigger car. We glory in the pay raise. We glory in a fat bank account. We glory when the kids act right. Maybe that was the NIV version. Nearly inspired, amen. Sister Melissa, so good to see you. Good to see you this afternoon. Amen. What a pleasant surprise. So what does he say? We glory in tribulations also. My Lord. If that was the truth, man, we ought to have some shouting around here. We glory in tribulations. Amen. Knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Y'all keep praying for patience and wonder why all hell breaks loose. God, give me patience. And everybody around you is a jerk. This is why. Because tribulations worketh patience. And patience, experience, and experience, hope. And hope maketh not ashamed. Because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. What some powerful stuff. For scarcely, uh, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet preadventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners. 
Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, when uh, we shall be saved from wrath through him. There is, I ain't going to preach on this free, don't cost you nothing. There is a difference between tribulation and wrath. Quit feeling the wrath of God's against you because bad things happen. That's tribulation. Nobody in this room's experienced wrath. Amen. Think about it. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Praise God. Amen. I love verse number two. Can I read verse number two? Good, I was going to do it anyway. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. By whom we have access by faith into this grace. So this grace is a place. It's not a thing. Into this grace wherein we stand. I want to preach with the help of the Lord this afternoon on this thought, wherein we stand. Wherein we stand. Let's pray together right now. Gracious God, we are so thankful for the touch of your presence the anointing of your spirit. I thank you, Lord, that you have not just brought life, but exceeding life. And not joy only, but exceeding joy. I pray, Lord, that you would begin to move once again in this place. Your word's already anointed, but would you anoint these lips of clay to speak as the oracle of heaven. Would you anoint every ear to hear and every mind to understand, every heart to receive and every spirit to bear witness of your word. And that, Lord, that when we are done with our part, you will do your part and heal, redeem, save, and restore. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said amen. Would you just thank the Lord one more time before you're seated. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Look at somebody and tell them I'm going to help him preach today. Amen. You can be seated if you're going to help me preach. If not, you can remain standing. <laughs> Amen. And I'm going to tell you, like I told them this morning, um, I'm going to need a little bit of a runway to get off the ground today. So just hold on to me. I'll let you know when you're, you can unbuckle your seatbelt and you're free to move about the cabin, all right? But we're going to need a little bit of runway. I'm going to teach a little bit before I preach, okay? And uh, thank God I'm in a mature church where we can teach the Word of God and people know that it's anointed. Amen, because it's the Word of God. Praise God. The book of Romans is a, is a fascinating book. It's um, one of the most detailed epistles of the New Testament of Paul's writing. It was written right in the midst of the apex of his ministry 
Uh, it was written somewhere around 57 to 58 AD. The, the story of which it was written around is amazing in itself. It was written from Gormath where Paul was staying in the house of one Roman citizen by the name of Gaius. And he wrote this book to the Roman people having heard that there was such a marvelous revival happening in Rome. It was right in the middle of his writings of his epistles and he wrote Galatians in around 49 AD and, and then he wrote 1st, 2nd Thessalonians. Those were about two years apart. 1st, 2nd Corinthians, those were about a year apart. And then he writes Romans. And so he is well established in his apostleship and establishing church governance throughout the world. And Paul is, is himself, he has not yet been to Rome. Paul has not himself put foot on Italian soil, never been to the city of Rome, but yet has heard of the mighty revivals that are happening in Rome. He knew some people in Rome. As a matter of fact, he wanted to go there himself. He, he opens uh, the book of Romans by saying that I want to be there with you. My desire is, I'm just going to switch mics here and help you. Amen. My desire is to go to Rome and I'm going to, I want to be with you. I want to be there. I want to help you. I want to be a part of the work of God there. I want to be a part of what God is doing there. And he said, uh, matter of fact, at the end of Romans in chapter 16, he would spend time at the end of the letter thanking God for the people that he knew, uh, Priscilla and Aquila. Uh, he's talking uh, to different ones of Aphinius and Mary and uh, Adronius and different ones that he knew that he had he had discipled and that he had sent there to help establish the church in Rome. Now, now Rome was a, a, a very chaotic or controlled chaotic city. Um, there, there was all kinds of degradation. In, if you studied Roman history at all, you know the depths of degradation that was, that was in the city of Rome. Uh, there was all kinds of issues. going. It was not easy for the early church. Uh, to survive or, or even even thrive and grow in the city of Rome because in the city of Rome there was so much uncontrolled and unchecked sin that abounded in that city of Rome. Um, the, you know, the kids are out here. I can be a little more plain. It was, it was an absolutely wild place where the lust of the flesh was fulfilled in just about every imaginary way. Uh, and for those who were unfortunate enough uh, to be Christians or to be, even worse, slaves who were Christians, their life was absolute torture. But there was a marvelous revival that was exploding underground in Rome. And the oppression of the government of Rome did not stop the revival of the church. I'm, I'm going to say that again. The oppression of Roman government did not stop the advancement of... To the contrary, the more the government tried to oppress apostolic revival, the greater the revival. Oh, I, I feel a little bit of preach right here. This old dog knows how to hunt, and I got one up a tree right now. The greater the resistance from authority, the greater the revival was with it. 
So, so let, me just, let me just say this. Amen. I know I got help. I, I, I miss having a wooden pulpit sometimes I could hide behind. Amen. Because I'd crawl behind and say what I'm about to say. Amen. Now, God may move you out of here and get, God may, you know, give you a mansion on a hilltop somewhere, and that's fine. I don't want to get into all that. But I want to tell you something. I ain't running. I ain't running, people. California's tough. I got to get... God hath much people here. I'm going to get out of there. They're, they're oppressing us so much. I got to get it. But, but what about the soul? You mean it's so bad one of these days you're going to have to talk to them early Roman Christians whose children were being sold into slavery because they believed the same message we believe? Or when the soldiers would take their little babies and throw them in the air and impale them on the end of their spears or feed them to lions or burn them at the stake. The early Christians didn't say, I got to get out of Rome. You know what they did? They got on their knees and said, God, give us strength. Give us boldness to keep preaching and teaching and reaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Now, I, I, I want to be clear, Brother Chase. I want to be clear. I'm not saying anybody that, everybody that moves is wrong. I'm not, I'm not saying. You, I think you understand. But what I am saying is this. Amen. I'm not running because we got, we got ding-dong government. Amen. There's ding-dong government everywhere. So I don't know about that. I think they're pretty good. Well, we got an altar. Amen. But they're all bad. I don't care if they got an R or a D or an I or what they got beside their name. I'm not running. I'm not running because the early church didn't run. I'm staying right where God planted me until God plucks me up and says to move. And I got a feeling God ain't going to pluck me up just because I, it, it's a little more difficult. And a little more expensive. You know how great the revival was in Rome? The revival was so powerful in Rome that by the time Paul starts writing to the Roman people, he says, and oh, by the way, salute those of the household of Caesar that are now part of the faith. Even Caesar's household was being baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. And that, that's that God, God hath need of a church in Rome. He hath need of a church in California and in the Bay Area of California and in the Sacramento area of California. And I'm telling you, sir, I'm standing right here ramrod straight. I don't care how nutty the politics get as if it could get more nutty. I'm going to stand on the word of God and say God's got a church. God's got a people. And the only hope for this city and the only hope for this state is the only hope for this nation. And that is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody shout, I believe that. Amen. Amen. I believe it too. Now, I want you to watch Paul because Paul is now writing to them and he is saying, I need, I need you to partner with me in prayer. And I'm going to partner with you in prayer because God, it, 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 there's something amazing that's going to. Now, listen, I'm going to tell you something. Paul could have said, hey, I'm praying for y'all from here. Now, Paul was anxious to get here. Hold on. I'm still teaching a little bit. Paul, we're going we're to go to class for a little while. Okay, there'll be a grade at the end of this. There'll be a test. Paul 
Paul was so anxious to get to Rome, but Paul did not realize that God was going to provide him a free trip to Rome. God gave Paul a free one-way ticket to Rome. Rome was having revival, and to get Paul there to help evangelize it, he let the devil pay for it. Hallelujah. He, hey, he, he, wanted, uh, he wanted to go, and God said, all right, you, you may not like how you get there. In the bottom of a ship. Gets shipwrecked. But he got there. And he didn't stay in the Hilton. He stayed in a gated community. But it wasn't the kind of gated community we want to live in. It's the kind, it's kind of like the Hotel California gated community. You check in anytime, but you ain't ever going to leave. He writes epistles from there. He directs revival all over the world from there. If you think about it, in hindsight, being that it's always 2020, in hindsight, God placed Paul in the most strategic place in the world for his letters to most effectively reach the far stretches of the world. Letters from Ephesus probably would have had a very difficult time getting to Philippi. But God knows what he's doing. Amen? This all right? So, so let's, let's do a little expository preaching on this, and, and, and which that, that simply means the detailing of a particular text. So for me to detail the text of chapter 5 and 1 through 11, that means I need to contextualize it. Again, that means I need to jump back to the beginning of the book and bring us up to code because the Bible wasn't written in chapter and verse form. It was written in letter form. Now, thank God the, the uh, translators broke it down for us. It, I do, it helps at least somebody with ADD, HD, ADD like me to help out that I can kind of focus a little bit because, you know, I'd still be somewhere in, Chronicles right now, my head's spinning around all the begots. And so you go into chapter 1, and, and he's giving them uh, salutations and greetings, and he's, he's thanking God for uh, them and how he's longing to, uh, to be in Rome and visit Rome. And then he starts, then, he just, then he, he just jumps in at verse 16, and it's like, hi, boom, the just shall live by faith. I mean, he just starts, he doesn't even warm up. Like, hey, I'm Paul, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the man. Like, I'm the man of the men. I'm the chief apostle. He didn't do, matter of fact, the only thing Paul ever said he was chief of was sinners. The next time you're looking for a title, use Paul's title. We got so many bishops and apostles and pastors running around. I, I never knew churches needed so many pastors. I go preach to some churches. Man, they, they, got, they got children's pastors. I think I'm okay with that. And they got... Man, they got music pastors. I never knew instruments needed a pastor, but I guess they do sometimes. I, I know sound system needs pastors. Amen. They get devils in them all the time. 
you got baptistry pastors and greeting pastors and pasteurized pastors. Bishops and bishopettes and apostles and apostolate. Then they got out apostle each other and you get chief apostles and supreme apostles. How about how about just being saved? How about just being saved? I just want to be saved. Amen. God blessed me to to earn a, a doctorate degree in theology. There, some of y'all were saying, "Well, can we can we call you can we call you doctor?" I said, "No. The greatest title I've ever received outside of being daddy and husband is pastor. I'm okay with that." Paul was one. He didn't ask to be addressed by it. Some people get hung up on themselves. So Paul, and let me get back to my notes here. Paul says in verse 16, he's talking about I want to be there. And he jumps in and he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. I mean, what, what, a, what a segue from hi. Hi, I'm Paul. I'd like to meet you someday. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation. Hallelujah. To everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written. The just shall live by faith. And they're reading the letter going, whoo, what a turn. And then he jumps into verse 18. And he starts preaching about the wrath of God against ungodliness and sin. No, he didn't have, he didn't have a picnic Sunday. He started instantly telling them that the power of God is, is unto salvation and he's not ashamed of the gospel. And he starts talking about the just shall live by faith. And then he jumps right in and he starts preaching against ungodliness. Remember, he is writing to a multicultural church, a church that is, that is compo composed of, of not only Jewish people, but it is also composed of, of those Greeks or those Romans, those Gentiles who, who only know paganism. They don't know anything about Judeo or Christian values. They, they only know a multiplicities of God. They only know gods that, that cater to the whims of their flesh. They only know gods, amen, the, the God of this and the God of that and the multiplicities of Greek gods or whatever heathenistic uh, nation that they had come from around the world and been brought into the city of Rome as slaves and so Paul is writing to them and he is letting them know about the gospel of Jesus Christ and then like a bull he lowers his head and says we got to get rid of sin and ungodliness in our life and, and he's not ashamed of it amen in other words he, he he's it seems like he's letting me know brother Chase that the gospel of Jesus Christ also deals with getting rid of ungodliness and getting rid of sin in our life. I know it's old-fashioned. Amen. I know even a lot of Pentecostal churches anymore, they don't want to preach against sin anymore. They just want to focus on some kind of ecumenical, let's feel good, I scratch your back, you scratch mine. But I'm going to tell you, every once in a while, the man of God needs to bear down a little bit and say, sin is still sin. And unrighteousness will not inherit the kingdom of God. Amen. 
And so he, he, I mean, he lays into it. And then he keeps on going on about the eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. Amen. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination and their foolish heart, professing themselves to be wise. They became fools. And he goes on and he doesn't stop there because by the time we jump into chapter 2, Paul is just getting worked up. I can see the sweat, and, uh, the spit in the corner of his mouth. I can see the sweat dripping off his head by candlelight as that quill is whipping around in his hand and the ink bottles going dry as he dips it and he begins to write it on the parchment and then in verse or chapter number two he jumps in and he begins to preach about the righteous judgment of God and he says therefore thou art inexcusable O man whoever thou art uh, that judge for therein thou judgest another thou condemnest thyself for thou that judgest does the same thing and he goes on about the righteousness of God and how God's judgment is righteous which literally means that what God judges God is always right he, he, he is not is this okay on a Sunday amen I, 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 we still preach against sin amen at first church he, he, he lays into I mean he lays into it and he starts preaching to them and he is telling them about, that God's ways are right and your ways are wrong and if your ways is contrary to the word of God then your ways are wrong let me tell you we are, we are, we are a great representation of what the Roman church was in this building right now we are a very culturally diverse a very racially diverse church and that's by design that's by design when we first started doing this thing Brother Chase, we said we wanted to be the most multicultural church in this city, and God is blessing us to be a multicultural and multi-ethnic church. But Paul wrote to a church, a man that was a here's a word for you, smorgasbord. Amen. It was a mixture of all kinds of races and religions. And Paul said, You can honor your heritage and you can honor your ethnicity, but listen to me, honey, when it comes to God's ways and God's righteousness, your ethnicity. Your background, it doesn't matter who your grandpappy was, it doesn't matter who your grandma was, when it comes to God's God's ways are always right. He said we can stay true to our cultural heritage, uh, amen, we can still honor that, this is what he's writing to him, but we had better honor God's ways as being right. Amen. Then he gets down in verse uh, uh, 17 and he starts, uh, he starts preaching against hypocrisy. Amen. I mean, he's laying it on thick. This wasn't no general conference type message where he was looking to get invited back. He was just laying it down. He said, I'm going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And he starts putting it down on him. He said, he starts preaching about preaching against being a hypocrite. Then we jump over into chapter number three. Hey, by the way, the nose of the plane is just getting up off the runway. So hold on to me. Amen. There's going to be a little turbulence, but I'll let you know when it's safe to move about the cabin. Amen. Then verse number three, he starts or chapter number three, he starts to begin to write. Amen. Because he realizes brother chase he's peeled some things open he's opened some festering wounds that have become infected people that have been offended amen because the pastor in rome or their church leader in rome had said you can't do those i know they're of your culture but you can't do those things because they they violate the ways of god and who god is and so they got offended and they got wounded and so paul is opening them wounds because he realizes the only way to heal a thing is to open 
the thing and to let it bleed out and to let it run out and then he just begins to dig in and say we got to get rid of this out of your life you got to get that offense out of your heart you got to get that because an offense will make you will make you a hypocrite that offense amen will make you lost that offense will cause unrighteousness and ungodliness in your life amen and then he gets into chapter number three and he begins to now begin to apply some healing salve he begins to apply some ointment that's now not only is it going to disinfect but it's also now going to protect that wound so that now bacteria can't get back in there so he begins to heal the wound a little bit and he begins to preach to them that God is faithful and that God is not only faithful but God is right amen then he begins to preach to them because he be oh I feel the Holy Ghost here I, I said I was going to teach a little bit but I feel the preach in this place right now and he begins to tell them that God is just that means God is right and that God is faithful to them he had set the standard high by the time they get done with the second chapter amen the Romans have their jaws on the floor and their tongue rolled out the door they couldn't believe some of the stuff that he was saying as he was digging the offense out of them and the hurt out of them and the pain out of them but he realizes you can't just preach the gospel to hurt people if that's your motive to hurt people you're preaching a self gospel that will destroy people the motive of preaching ought to be to get people to the savior not to get people ticked off at the messenger now sometimes that's a byproduct but it shouldn't be the intention amen amen now 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 sometimes sometimes and y'all don't know this a little secret i'm gonna tell y'all we, we we teach this and in the Bible college, I'm going to let y'all a little secret here. I, we, we teach now, if you're preaching on something, everybody gets quiet, just stop there. We, I, I tell them, set the plow down. Hit that mule hard and tell them, we're digging deep now. You set that plow and you root that stuff up out of there. I'm joking a little bit, but I'm kind of serious. When some people sit there and look at you, right, boy, I'm dealing with something now. Paul was writing that, and he didn't have an audience going, ooh, I hit a nerve right there. Come on, Bessie, let's gonna put this plow all the way down to the root now. We're going to get in. We're going to pull that stuff up out of there. Amen. He said, hey, we're going to get this unrighteousness out of your life. We're going to get this ungodliness out of you. We're going to get these things you're so confused on in your life. You're still trying to serve Jesus, baptize in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, but you're still going to the temple of Diana. Amen. Because over there, you can fulfill the lust of the flesh and all kind of sexual immorality over there. No, no, I need you to I don't care if your grandma was a priestess in there. I don't care if your culture says it's okay. I'm getting you out of there because there's power of God inside. I got to get you out of that mess. I got to get you in line with the cross. I, I got to get you in line with God's word. Amen. Is, it, is this all right today? Amen. Amen. Uh, uh, I, I'm trying to hurry, Dad. I know we got uh, we got uh, your birthday. We're going to celebrate in just a little bit. But I got I, got, I feel the Holy Ghost here. Amen. And so he got preaching. Hey, listen, I'm going to tell you some. God accepts you for who you are. He loves you for who you are. But He loves you too much to leave you like you are and where you are. 
They got filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, and some of them were going back to their, their ceremonial duties and all of these kind of pagan rituals and temples. They were cutting themselves, putting their own blood upon the altar and all kind of pagan. Paul said, no, 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 no. We don't do that in the church of God. We don't do that. No, you got to come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. Once you do that, then I will receive you unto me. You shall be my people. I shall be your God. You will be my sons and daughters and I will be your, but only after. I'm going to tell somebody this afternoon, and I don't care if it, if it makes the devil lose his mind. Holiness is still right in 2023. God's church still got to be a holy church. God's church still got to be a separate from sin church. It's got to be a line walking Tongue talking, Jesus name baptized, separate from sin and living church. Am I doing all right today? Amen. And and so Paul just man, he he just getting out. He's and, and they're just reeling. You you see you you grew up with some understanding of the Bible. I don't care if your parents never took you to church. You grew up knowing some understanding because you heard Christmas and you heard Easter and you heard. The, these folks didn't know nothing about it. Jesus who? Son of God. That's, that's like Thor, right? Zeus? Apollo? Athena? Who? What? what? One God? One God. They got 80-something temples around the city to 80-something God. Now you're telling me there's one God and he robed himself in flesh as a man and then our people, the Romans, killed him? What kind of a God is that? Right? And they're looking. They don't understand. They don't got a clue. They don't got any idea. And Paul is setting it straight. Amen. And what he is basically saying is, listen, I'm going to say something. If you think this was tough, you ought to see the first letter he wrote to the Corinthians. I mean, he was slapping them around everywhere. He, he hit them so hard by about the, the ninth chapter. He goes, now, now settle down a little bit because i got to put your teeth back in your mouth right here. And he starts telling them about love. <laughs> Amen. My Lord. I mean, Paul, would just, Paul had a way of getting after him. He had a way of just, just laying it out there. Amen. So now, now let me tell you about, about love and, and patience. You know, and the patience, I, I'm missing my molars right now from that left hook. What are you talking about patience? Praise God. But he wasn't worried. He's worried about making sure the church was lined with the word of God. Amen. I, I forgot what time I started preaching, but I'm hurrying. He gets uh, don't I will if you keep on. And he gets down about chapter three. And about chapter three, he starts talking about God is faithful and God is just. He's literally trying to roll their tongue up, like on Tom and Jerry. You know, they roll their tongue up. He's trying to put it back in their mouth because they're just staggering at this point. And he starts talking about God is just and God is right and God is faithful. He will always be there. And then because he knows while he's writing this, he is perceptive. He realizes they are going to be hurting, that they are spiritually going to be shooken by, uh, by the words that he just wrote. So he jumps down at about verse number 9 in chapter number 3. Amen. And, and he begins to say, what then? Are we better than they? No, in, in no wise for, uh, uh, for uh, we have been proven before both Jews and Gentiles. Uh, amen. Then verse 10 he says, uh, as it is written, because they're sitting there at this point. 
at this point now, they're saying, well, who can be saved? Who could ever be like that? Who could ever live holy like that? Who could ever come out from sin like that? Who could ever do it? Then he gets down to verse 11 in chapter number 3, and he says, uh, he says uh, in verse number 10, he says, that is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. And the church went. They could breathe. Up to this point, they thought nobody could be saved. Up to this point, they thought this is too hard. And then he begins to, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. And then he begins to talk about none is righteous. And none is righteous doesn't mean don't try. When he said none is righteous, it doesn't mean go back to the temple. Don't go back. To, he didn't say none is righteous. It didn't mean go back to the club. It didn't mean go back to the bar. It didn't mean to go cat and carousing on your wife. It didn't mean any of that stuff. When he said no, none is righteous, what he is saying is, is you are never in your flesh going to be good enough to earn the favor of God. Amen. What he is saying is, is God's righteousness is perfect. Amen. Now, now you gotta watch this because he gets down. Uh, get, get a microphone, brother Chase. If you'll give me, uh, 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 we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna have some old fashioned church today. Amen. Take that. Amen. Turn that on and turn him up. Amen. We're gonna go to Romans uh, chapter three and beginning at verse number twenty three. Yeah, That's how we used to have church. Man, Pastor hardly ever read more than one scripture. You give it to one of the other ministers and they get to read it. And 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 so they're they're sitting there at this point, brother Chase. They're thinking, who can be saved? And he says, no. He says, none is righteous. No, not one. And they go, okay. Okay, I think I can do it. I think I can, but they're still holding on to this. And Paul is giving, are you okay with this? Amen. And so Paul says, okay, let, let, let me make it a little plainer. Because then he starts talking about God's righteousness by faith. God's righteousness by faith. Start, uh, Brother Chase, we're going to go 23 through 25. You'll start reading. Get ready for interruptions. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. How many have sinned? All have sinned. Go ahead. Being justified freely by his grace through the <laughs> redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Being justified freely by his grace. Read verse 25. Whom God hath set forth to be the propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. Wow. In other words, you can't do it on your own. I can't do it on my own. Only God can do this. Only God can take the unrighteous and make us righteous. Only God can take the unrighteous and make it righteous. And so he doesn't stop. He keeps going on. Brother Chase, if you'll get ready uh, with chapter 4 and beginning at verse number 1. We're going to go 1 through 5. And uh, then we're going to go 13 through 25, uh, Sister Media. Uh, we're going to go there if, if you'll get ready. Amen. Chapter 4. Because he keeps going on. through. Listen, I'm going to tell you. Number 1, I started preaching you like Paul did. You need to come out from among the world and be separate. You need to be holy. But what you also need to know is you'll never be good enough in your own self. 
Now, let me just stop and say, because I, I, I got something right here. I'm going to say, I'm going to step all over this right now. Because we got two groups of people always, and it's been ever since the early church. There's one group that says, well, God just loves me where I am. He don't care what I do and how I, and blah, 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 blah. And God understands me. Yes, God understands you. He understands me too. And you know what he said about me? You are a filthy, rotten sinner. And unless you line up to my ways, which are the right ways, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. No, no, no. I don't care what you think, your opinion. I'm God. Been doing this a long time time welcome to the world i'll be here long after you then you got another group that says that that you you have to you have to be miserable if you're going to serve god you got to go back under the law you got to you know all that kind of stuff and so paul's right so let me deal with this it ain't either one come on but i want to say this because people start looking at a holiness church and this is a holiness church by the grace of god and they and they always do they always put their hand on their hip and go well you people you people think you're saved by works. No, we don't. No, what we say? We don't say. Matter of fact, any preacher that said that is a cult leader. We don't say that. The Mormons do. We don't. They say you're after you've done all you can do, then is grace sufficient. We don't teach that. We say you are saved by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. All right? Amen. Well, welcome back to the 1970s and 80s. This is how we used to preach. Now, watch this. We don't believe you're saved by, by, by works. No. No, but what we do believe is if you are saved, works are going to happen. That's right. Amen. Amen. First comes salvation, then comes works. Right. It doesn't come the other way around because if works came first, Sister Strickland, then I wouldn't need grace. Jesus exposed it to us literally like this. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall lay hands on the sick. In other words, the belief must come first, and then the signs will follow. If you are a believer, signs should follow. If you are born again, works should follow. It is not an unbiblical request of the Word of God nor of the church of Jesus Christ to say that if you are truly saved, at some point, you got to stop sinning. you got to stop talking like a sinner, looking like a sinner, walking like a sinner, singing like a sinner, and doing all the sinning kind of stuff that you did. Because once you get saved, you come out from sin, not of your own power, not of your own means, but by the power of the Holy Ghost which liveth in us. And we are not of ourselves, but we are of Christ. Amen. And because Christ in us is in the hope of glory, I'm not a new man when I was born again. I didn't get changed by the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost gave me the power to change. And now I'm trying to be like Jesus. And because I'm trying to be like Jesus, I don't go where I used to go don't say what I used to say don't act like I used to act and baby I don't even look like I used to look that is works that have followed salvation does that make sense but before the New Testament look what God did help me brother Chase verse 1 what should we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath wherefore to glory, but not before God. Did you hear that? He said if, if Abraham were justified by works, he would have thereof to glory, but not before God. In other words, Abraham wouldn't even need a God. 
That's right. Keep, keep going, Brother Chase. What? Get ready for a whole lot of interruptions. I'm sorry. Right. Get ready. He's ready. Go ahead. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him as uh, go righteousness. Go back to verse 2. I'm sorry. I threw it. Go to verse 2. If Abraham. Oh, for, you already read that. Read go that. ahead. You, you, you're on it. For what, hath, what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him. For, that tells me if belief can be counted as righteousness. Good. That's good. Then unbelief is counted as, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Yes, amen, amen. If faith is counted as righteousness, That's right. then on. being without faith That's right. is unrighteous. That's right, amen, amen. That's good. Because faith can heal you, and just as sure as faith can heal, your doubt will kill. Go ahead, Brother Chase. Now to him that worketh is reward not, reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Basically, you, you, you get what you work for. Go ahead. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man. I'm sorry, the... jump down now to uh, 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 verse number 13. We're going to jump down, save some time. For the promise that he should be there of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Uh -huh. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect. Wow. Did you catch that? If they were of the law with faith uh, uh, be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of none. In other words, if the heir only went to those that were of the law, then you wouldn't need faith. All you'd need is the law. But Paul's about to tell us in a few chapters that the law was weak and it could not redeem man. Right, right. Go ahead, Brother Chase. Because the law worketh wrath. Uh -huh. Where no law is, there is no transgression. Right. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end of the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. The father of who? Us all? He's writing to the Romans, right? Not writing to Jews. That's good. That's good. He wasn't the father of the Jewish people. He's the father of us. He was writing to Romans saying, he's your daddy too. He was writing, he was writing uh, 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 to everyone saying, he is your father too. He was writing to people from the sub-Saharan of Africa saying, he's your people too. He was writing people to the earliest reaches of the Far East saying, and he's your father too. It doesn't matter. He's your father too. Read on. This is very important. You've got to understand that. As it is written, I have made there a father of many nations. Mm -hmm. Before him who he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which to be which be not as though they were. To call those things which be not as if they were. Oh, man, that's some good stuff right there. Because he just said that to a man who couldn't have kids because he was so old. Go ahead. Who against hope believed in hope that he might <laughs> become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. Keep going. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body. And being dead. not weak in faith, he considered not his own body. This is a trip. Listen to the next part. When he was about 100 years old. 100 years old. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. 
You understand, they didn't have pharmacology back then. If you catch my drift. He was a hundred years old. She was 90 years old. And he, being not weak in faith, said if God said it. God looked at him and said, old man, your faith, I'll just give you that righteousness. Keep keep going. Verse 20. I love this. Or or finish verse 19 if you would. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Uh Uh-huh. He staggered not at the promise of staggered God. Staggered not at the promise of God. Through unbelief. Uh-huh. But was strong in faith. Strong in faith. Giving glory to God. Uh-huh. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Verse 22. And therefore it was imputed It to was him given to him. For righteousness. For righteousness. Keep going. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead. He said his faith was given in exchange for righteousness. And he said, now for those of you that think that's only for Abraham, well, let me tell you, he did it for us also. He said, Abraham was a hundred years old. His wife was 90. Listen, that... Hey, that had long since been a dead womb, but he kept believing in the promise of God. But he just didn't believe. My God, I'm going to preach this. I'm going to preach the hair off this right now. They be- he believed God, but he just didn't believe God. He obeyed God because faith without works is dead he looked at Abraham and said scoot over honey I'm getting in bed and we're about to have a baby I don't think y'all caught that he didn't just believe he said turn the lights down low turn some romantic music on light the candle baby put the roses on the bed I know you're 90 and I'm 100 but I got some loving that's going to prove in 9 months that God is faithful to And nine months later, a 91-year-old woman gives birth to a little baby boy. I've come to tell you, you're not past the promise of God in your life. My God, I feel like shouting in this place. I'm almost done. I don't know what time I started, but I know what time I'm about to finish. Amen. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place right now. Amen. Some of y'all going, God, I believe, God, I believe, God, I believe, God, I believe. But you ain't ever backed a car out of the driveway yet. At some point, you got to get in and say, God, not only can you do anything, but you will do anything. And you'll do it through me. But pastor, I got kids. But pastor, I got back problems. But pastor, I got debt. Yeah, all of us got excuses. But you know what else we got? We got a God who is faithful. We got a God that'll look at those things that are not. And he will call them as if they already were. My God, 
I'm telling you, if I wasn't 42 fat and on my second service, I think I'd already ran a lap right now. Hey, man, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. You quit letting the devil determine the blessing of God in your life. You quit letting the economy determine how blessed you're going to be. My God does not bow to the S&P 500. My God does not back up to Wall Street. My God is not hindered by who's in the White House. My God is able to supply all my need according to his riches and glory. My God, I'm going to preach it. Elder Middleton left something up in this pulpit last Sunday. And I'm about to preach it. I feel it in the Holy Ghost right now. Look at what Abraham did. Amen. Look at what Abraham did. I preach in E flat now. Look at what Abraham did. 100 years old, God says, You're going to have a son. He went. Sarah laughed. She did. She laughed at God. She thought it was so funny. She gave her husband a little thing on the side. She thought it was so funny. She gave her husband a weekend fling. And we're still suffering from her bad choices. Because from Ishmael came the Ishmaelites, which are the modern-day Muslims that we're still fighting with. You better be careful. You're going to pay for you trying to play God for a long time. When you try to play God, you're going to pay for it for a long God don't need my help. God's been God longer than I've been me. I know that was profound. Don't fall out on the floor. God's been God longer than I've been me. verse 20 again brother Chase I need you to read that, that first line again in verse 20 watch, what, watch Abraham he staggered not at the promise of God he what staggered not he staggered not it's amazing when the devil comes against some of y'all y'all jump on but you stagger when God blesses you You stumble on a curse, but you stagger at a blessing. I'm going to tweet myself after this. Why is it we don't flinch at a curse, but we stagger at God's promise? The Bible said Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith. Some of y'all need to stop staggering and start standing. God's telling some of you, I'm going to save your family. But they're drug addicts. But they're in prison. God's telling some of you, I'm, I'm going to make a business leader out of you and an entrepreneur. Some of you, God's saying, I'm going to bless your home. And you're just... The Bible said Abraham at a hundred years old, he stood up like a Marine and said, yes, sir, I believe it. 
My God, I feel like dancing. Because some of you stumbling and staggering at the promise of God. And God's just waiting for you to stand up. Even when your spouse laughs at you, stand up. preach a text if I I cannot not preach a text that I read on so let me land a plane on verse number two of chapter five because all that I preached will make this make sense if I would have just extrapolated just from that and tried to exegete just that scripture it wouldn't make any sense but now that we contextualize what Paul is talking about then in verse number chapter number five in verse number one he just got through talking about Abraham and how God imputed unto him righteousness because his faith was so powerful. Then in verse 1 he says, Therefore, being justified by faith. You know what justified means? I asked, I asked Dr. Webster what it meant. And uh, Dr. Webster and I talked about it for a while. And, and he told me that justified means to demonstrate or to prove, to show, or do declare that one is right. It means to prove, to declare, or to show that one is right. Therefore, being proven right by faith, we have peace with God. Did you catch that? Is this on out there? Therefore, being proven right by faith, we have peace with God. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? I, I, I don't know if they're waiting on you to play fast or not, but are you ready for this? Verse 2. You ready for this? Give us verse 2. <laughs> Here it goes. Here it goes. By whom also, talking about Jesus, we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory. We have access to what? What do we have access to? Wherein we stand. Where do we stand? On grace. Which is the unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor. See, when you study that in the Greek, the Greek says the grace wherein you stand, that phrase is a word picture of someone entering into a, a lavish or even a royal room. And the key to get in the room is not my goodness. 
but faith. And some of y'all standing at the door. Peeking through the keyhole. Say, someday I want to get in that room. Someday I want to stand there. Someday I want to be blessed like that. So, no, I'm not even talking about money. I'm talking about all of it. All of it. I'm talking about all of it. My family saved. My job blessed. My house blessed. My kids blessed. Everything I touch blessed. My, my health blessed. Some of y'all need to get your health back out of the hands of hell right now. That's it. of hell feeling like he's got dominion over some of your body you need to say no 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 this is wherein I stand by faith by faith we have access into this grace We open the door and we look into what we have access to. We shout, oh, I got access. Well, get in it. I'm tired of shouting about revival. Get in it. I'm tired of you just dancing about being blessed. Get in it. Stop just telling the devil what you're going to do and do it. Abraham could still be standing there going, Sarah, it's going to happen one of these days. One of these days, Sarah, we're going to have that baby boy. It wasn't until, it wasn't until Abraham threw the covers back and said, we got to do what God said do to get what God said we can get. Stand with me. I'm almost done. Amen. Sooner some of y'all dance, the quicker I'll be done. Just... We got this, somebody say this grace. This grace. There's a grace wherein we can stand. But it's only accessed by a faith so pure and powerful that God says, that faith is so powerful, I'll count it as righteousness. about a Gideon faith. It says, prove it to me twice. I'm talking about a Simon Peter faith that says, you want me to come to you on the water? Just give me the word. He jumps out of the boat and he starts walking. That's the kind of faith. I feel the Holy Ghost come to use me to tell some of y'all it's time to stop staggering and it's time to start standing. Because my Bible tells me, oh, yes, it does. My Bible tells me, having done all, having done all, having done all, having, having done all, Having done all, having done all, stand. 
place wherein we stand by faith. We're doing a lot of watching. I'm talking about standing. If you're ready to move, to move from the lobby of maybe, from the room of if, and you're ready to step into the grace wherein we stand. I want you to symbolically open the door at the edge of your pew. Step out and walk to this altar right now. Come on. I want you to step out of that aisle and into this altar. You see, th this altar is the grace. It's the room of grace. All the problems of your life are in every other room of the house. All the situation you've been facing is outside this room. But the moment you get enough faith to say, I don't care who's here, who ain't here. I don't care what the devil said. I don't care what's going on against my body and my mind. The offenses of my soul. I'm about to, through faith, I'm about to open that door. And I'm about to step into grace I've never known. I'm about to step into favor I could have never dreamed of. Come on. Come on, go ahead and lift your voice right now. I got to know, is there anybody in this place right now? You got issues and you need some grace in your life. Anybody? Anybody? I want you to get ready to step into. Listen, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, we just ain't no naming, claiming, blabbing, grabbing kind of sloppy agape type stuff I'm talking about actual biblical facts I'm not talking about oh a new dimension a new level I'm not I'm, you, you, you need a new room you're going to open the door and in just a minute y'all can go crazy but, but I want you for a minute I want you through faith you're going to open that door and I want you to lift your hands and your voice. And I want you to open your mouth and I want you to begin to declare, I'm stepping into the grace wherein we stand through faith. And I want you to let, Brother Chase talked about it a few weeks ago, I want you to let the Holy Ghost baptize you fresh. If you've never received the Holy Ghost, you can receive it right now. I want you to let the Holy Ghost baptize you fresh to speaking in tongues as His Spirit gives the utterance. And I want you to begin to transition spiritually from that room into this room by which we, go ahead and lift that voice right now. 
God's getting ready to renew somebody. God's getting ready to fill somebody with the Holy Ghost. God's getting ready to baptize somebody with strength. You're coming out of it. You've been in darkness too long. You've been in pain too long. You've been in despair too long. You're about to step into the grace wherein we stand. You've staggered long enough. It's time to stand. You've stumbled long enough. It's time to stand. You've been in pain long enough. It's time to stand. You ought to lift that voice and talk in tongues as he gives you the It's time to stand. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. Reach over and pray with somebody in the Holy Ghost and stand. I'm going to stand on the promise of God. I'm going to stand on the word of God. I'm going to stand, stand, stand. Having done all to stand, I'm going to stand therefore upon the promise of God. Come on, that's it. Until you break through. Until you break through. Until you feel the fire. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.